this, this morning we're going we're gonna to look at a subject. In the, in the beginning next Sunday, I'm going to start a, 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 ser, a sermon series. It's not going to be a, a very long one, but I'm going to call it Life Choice, Religion or Relationship. And we're going to look at some of the things in, in Christianity and, and, and in the church that have become a part of who we are, but they're not a part of God. Okay, we're going we're gonna to look at the difference between religion and relationship. And, and this morning I'm going to share a message it's called The High Cost of Obedience. You know, uh, if, you, if you pay attention to movies, whenever they have really popular movies, they usually have sequels and sequels and sequels until they have done it to where there's really no other place to go. So then what do they do? They have a prequel. What goes before? This morning, this sermon is the prequel, okay? But I'm going to give it in its proper place instead of waiting till I, till I've uh, to preached everything. So uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the high cost of, of total obedience. And, and uh, it's interesting that, and I found this to be true, not just in marriage, but genuine love is, is always expressed not in words, but in action. And that's especially true with God. If we truly love God, we're going to express it not just in words. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to actually do something about it. Words without action. I used to hear this a lot. Words without action are empty and meaningless. Don't, don't you tell me you love me. Show me you love me. And the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached uh, it, it was it was procl- it was a proclamation of power, but it was also a demonstration of power. And, and listen, one without the other is only half the message. Y'all do realize that. If there's no demonstration, then then the proclamation is only half the message. Because Jesus demonstrated and proclaimed, or he proclaimed and demonstrated one way or the other. He did both. He always did that. The early disciples did the same thing. And and half of a message is just not good enough. Do y'all agree? Now I know some of you, when I, when I get long-winded, you'd say, well, you know what, I'll take half of that. But that's because it takes me a long time to say something sometimes. But, you know, half the message is not just good enough. 50% of the message is 50% less than the 100% that we need. We need 100% so that we can do what God's called us to, to do. It's not, if it was good enough for the first century, and it was, then it's still good enough for the 21st century, if it wasn't enough for them, it's not enough for us. When the totality of the gospel of the kingdom is neglected, when we only teach or we only preach or we only live a portion, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to hope for 50%, but it, then what happens is we tend to add things to fill in the blanks. We tend to add things when we teach and when we preach and when we, we only live that portion out. And what happens is, is, is we, when we start to add things, we end up with religion instead of relationship. We end up with a, with a, a bunch of rules and regulations and, and things to do that will make us, if we keep them, better people. Can I just tell you this? Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us better people. Okay? Jesus died on the cross to give us life. So that we could have a relationship with Him. Listen, healthy relationships with God 
are not about hard work for God. They're about becoming a, 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 a relational individual, relating to God. And, and, and those, those, that healthy relationship makes you and me better people. Okay? If I'll just, if I'll just be, uh, if I'll just focus on my relationship with Jesus, you know what Jesus will do? He will take care of the stuff. He'll take care of the things. He will change me. I don't have to change to be something. Jesus, when He died for me, and, and in essence, we all died with Him, when we died, he, he remakes us. He makes us something. He is transforming us. He is conforming us to His image. And so we don't become better sons and daughters by doing things. We become better sons and daughters by being in relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a little Christ. It means to be Christ-like. And listen, hard work will never make you Christ-like. Okay? It'll make you angry, frustrated, tired, and bitter. Alright? I'm just, I know. I've been there. And it will make you religious. Now, I'm jaded a little bit, okay? Because I've grown up in the religious what I call the religious church world. I've grown up in that, and, and I've seen a lot of, of hypocrisy, and I've been involved in it, okay? I've been a part of it. I'm a, I'm a recovering religious addict, okay? There, I, I've said it, all right? A Pharisee of Pharisees, as Paul would say. I, I've been that. I, I've embraced it. I've participated in it. And, and what happens, though, it's nothing more than just a form of godliness which denies the power of, of God. It's just a form. It's a, it's a shape. It's a shadow. You know what? I repented. And I continue to repent when I see it, when I, when I hear it in myself, when I think certain things. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm not the only one up here who, 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 who says, hello, my name is Nelson and I'm a, I, I'm a recovering religious addict, okay? <laughs> I'm not the only one. I hope I'm in a house of good company. But uh, I've repented. But you know what? Once it takes root in your soul, it takes a lifetime to eradicate all of it. It takes some time to get rid of it. The eradication, though, only happens when I replace my bent toward religion, my bent to do things, to be something, to, to be good enough, to, to achieve what God says only Jesus Christ can achieve, that bent only goes away as I develop a passionate hunger for relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Otherwise, I'm just going to be religious. I'm going to know about Jesus, but I'm not really going to know Him on an intimate level. Relationship begins when I accept the fact and when you accept the fact that we can't do anything to earn or to deserve the love of God. Man, I grew up hearing that. I grew up saying that. But it's only been in the, in the last 10 or 15 years that I've realized that's true. No matter how hard I work, I can never earn anything God wants to give me. I'm going to tell this story, and, 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 and I had a great aunt. Her name was Murdy, and uh, she lived below us. She was the oldest woman I had ever known as a child. <laughs> I mean, she, was, she wore long dresses, she wore loose-fitting, and she wore a sunbonnet. If you don't know what a sunbonnet bonnet is, you're not nearly old enough 
Okay, you're not my age, but she wore a sun sunbonnet. Her 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 hands and and her face were were weathered. She she'd grown up on the farm. She she'd lived a, a, a you know a, a, a life of work. And and my Murdy, Daddy would often send my brother and I down to take her something. She was in her eighties and nine, I guess she was in her nineties. We we would take fruit we would that dad grew or our vegetables down there and this is the thing dad would always say he would say now don't take anything from her don't let her pay you well you know you're seven eight years old and and you know i didn't want anything okay but aunt murdy wasn't going to let us leave until we took something back if you gave her something she was going to give you something in return okay and she would always put it in a, what she called a poke Okay, a sack, paper sack. Sometimes it would be a a, a flour sack. Sometimes she, and those were the best ones because because we could play with those. But but you could use them. But so my, I mean, I don't ever remember taking my aunt Murdy something that she didn't send us back home with something. And listen, we have got that mindset as Christians. We think we have to give God something. We, we got to, I can't, I can't, I got to do something. And listen, folks, there's nothing God needs. He's God. He made everything. If he needs something, he can make him something, okay? <laughs> nothing I bring is going gonna, is gonna to be what he needs, but, but he, doesn't, he doesn't desire that. That's not his, his desire. His desire is for us, for us to interact with him one-on-one, in relationship. That's why he sent Jesus. Sin ruined that. There was a separation between us and God. And Jesus Christ removed that separation. He died for us. He shed his blood for us so that we could interact with God, so that we could come freely and independently, well not independently, but, but boldly into his, his presence. And we could come just like we are. Listen, I don't know anybody that's got it all together, okay? I, I've been privileged in my ministry to rub shoulders with, with some really, what we would say were, were, were uh, uh, well-known individuals in the Christian world. Listen, they don't float above the ground either. They struggle just like everybody else. So we're, you know, we're in good company. That's why, you know, that's why Paul says that there's neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile. We're all level there at the cross. There's no, there's no super spiritual and less spiritual. There's just people needing relationship. That's it. But we have, we have gotten this idea that, that I can do something to earn God's love, or, or I, can, I, can, I can serve Him in such a way. But the reality of it is there is nothing that I can do in my flesh that can gain any position or power or prestige with God. On my own, I can't do anything. That's why Jesus says, apart from you, you can do nothing. Nothing is made up of two words. No thing. So I can do no Thing to make myself acceptable. I simply have to accept and, 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 and that, that, you know what, I don't have anything to give God. And then I have to accept the grace, that infinite grace. You see, the grace He gives us has no end. 
It has no depth. It has no height. That infinite grace that He willingly gives me through Jesus Christ. We just have to accept that. And that's where relationship starts. The problem is, is that most of us walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, knelt at an altar. I'm not saying we didn't receive Jesus, but relationship never picked up. Because the idea that I can do something is still there. And so what happens is, is, is that relationship, that idea, that growth doesn't start, it doesn't take place and it, it doesn't begin. But you know what? True relationship will never flourish if I continue to believe that I am somehow capable of pleasing God on my own. On my best day. I don't get there. See, we measure, and this is what religion tells us, measure yourself against your brothers, your sisters, look at them and measure yourself. Well, I'm doing pretty good based on, but that's not what Jesus says. That's not what God says. God says, measure yourself against my son. Well, every time I look at Jesus, I realize I don't cut the mustard. I don't make the grade. I don't make the cut. There, there's no comparison. And so we have to realize that that, you know, I, we cannot please God. That's religion. But that's not what God wants anyway. God wants relationship. Relationship. He wants us to be intimate with Him. Jesus put it this way. Now, I know what I'm about to say is going to sound like an oxymoron. Uh, in other words, it doesn't sound like it goes with what I've just said. But it really does. In John chapter 14, verse 15, this verse, it, it, it goes through my mind almost every day. Jesus says this. He's about to, uh, he's about to be a, go out into the Garden of Eden. He'll be arrested. Uh, he's just told his disciples that, hey, I, I, there's a lot of houses in my father's uh, uh, place, and, and I'm going there, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when I've prepared those places, I'm coming back. And, and he begins to talk about, uh, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, 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 and that verse we, we talk about often here, truly, truly, if I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and even greater ones. And then, then Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, You'll do what I say. And we read that, and sometimes we think, you know what, I have to do something. I have to show Jesus how, how, how good I am, how much I love Him. I have to do it. I have to work up some more love to show Him. And, 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 and what happens is Jesus says, no, I've already done the work. There's nothing left to do to please God. Nothing. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 19, verse 30, when He's on the cross, and it's just in those, those few moments before He gives up His Spirit. You remember what He says? He says, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it. The purpose for which He went to the cross is finished. I know you've heard this a bazillion times, but I'm going to tell it to you again. The word is tetelestai. It's in the, it's in the perfect tense. And what a, a perfect tense verb in the Greek means is something has been done in the past and its effects continue 
into the future with no end. And what Jesus is saying is all that needed to be done to, to, to bring forgiveness, to make peace with God, I have done it. Past tense. It's done. It's finished. Fold up your tools. Roll up the cords. Let's go home. That's, that's what he's saying. I'm done. But yet we just can't grasp that for some reason. You know what? A genuine love for God is shown through our actions, not our works. What Jesus is saying, if you truly have a, a love relationship with me, you're going to demonstrate that reality and the, and the reality of that love through your obedience. Listen, obedience is nothing more than following the directions God gives us for, for living out a new kind of relationship. It's not do this and don't do this. When we, when we look at it that way, we, we boil it down to its, its, I don't know what, it just ashes basically. God doesn't tell us to, to don't do things because He didn't want us to have fun. He tells us not to do things so that we don't hurt ourselves and so that we don't hurt other people. Jesus said, you know what? I've already done it. And if we have that true relationship, that loving relationship, we'll demonstrate that, that reality. We'll, we'll, we'll follow God's directions. You know, obedience is not some kind of hard work. It's, it's not, it's not that, that idea of sweat harder and, and accomplish more. I mean, how many of you, let's just be honest this morning, how many of you have had to try really, really, really hard to do some of the things God's told us to do? Okay? You know what obedience? Obedience is simply living out the life of Jesus. It's just imitating what He did. By the way, that's what being conformed to the image of Christ means. It's, it's doing life the way Jesus does life. That's what obedience is. We tend to become what we like to spend time with. Would y'all agree? I mean, the more time you spend with something, the more you'll become like that, whatever it is. If it's a person, a hobby, a, a job, or whatever. And you know what? We can become more like Jesus if we spend time with Jesus. And that's how relationship is formed. You, you can't have a relationship with a person unless you spend time with them. And it's out of that relationship then that obedience flows. We want to obey first so that we can gain relationship. God gives us relationship so that out of the overflow of that relationship we'll be obedient. When you love somebody, you just normally and naturally do the things they like. Amen? And if you don't really love them, you don't do it. That's true. Listen, you will never be obedient based on willpower and determination. It just will not happen. It always flows out of relationship. Obedience is the grace of relationship. It's the overflow of relationship. It's the natural response of a heart that's hopelessly in love with Jesus. And when we struggle with obedience, in essence, what we're doing is we're struggling with the depth of our love for Jesus. So Nelson, that's kind of hard. That's kind of true, though. 
Religion is not based on love. Religion is not based on what God's already done. Religion is based on what you and I can do. Religion's a liar, okay? But relationship always sets us free. Yet, to be obedient, there's a high personal cost. And the reason that I say that is, is because there's always a choice between what God desires and what we desire. Always, I'm always here. This is what I want to do. This is what God wants me to do. So I'm always this way. When God created, you say, well, why is that? Why didn't God just, why didn't he just wiggle his nose and, and you know, shimmy, shimmy and things be okay? Well, when God created us, he gave us the ability to choose. He, gave, he did. We have, we have the ability to choose. To make personal decisions on what we will do and what we won't do. And it's only, the reason that he gave us this is because it's only out of a choice that someone can truly love another. If I don't choose to love you, I won't love you. I have to make that choice. Love is not based on what you can do for me. Love is based on what I choose to do. How I choose to respond to you in spite of. That's the kind of love that God loves with. And it's out of that choice that obedience takes root. God doesn't force us to do anything. Y'all do realize that, don't you? He does not force us to do anything. He simply offers us grace. He pours out grace, which simply put is exactly what we need to embrace the life that Jesus lived. He's given us everything we need. We have a plate that's filled with all that we need Everything that we need, He's put in us because of grace. And if we will do that, then we can live and we can love at the level that Jesus died to give us. That He gave us, that, that, that we can experience the, the, the relationship that He created for us. Now, here's what God will do. He will allow us to do exactly what we want to do, though. Y'all do realize that. Okay, everybody, everybody, we do have a choice. But here's the reality that nobody wants to, to think about. We assume all responsibility for those wrong choices. Y'all realize that? But God assumes all responsibility for the right choices that we make. When we make the right choices, God takes care of us. When we make the right choices, God opens doors for us. When we are obedient and we, we are like little children, God, he, he, it's not that He doesn't protect us, but He really, he, he draws in really close. A lot of stuff that comes into our lives don't come into our lives. A lot of blessings that we wish we could get when we begin to become just simply obedient and we begin to build that relationship, they just flow. You see, we have to take some responsibility in that. that. That's part of being a creature that has choices. You know what? Animals don't make choices like we make choices. Us and the angels. That's why when the angels rebelled against God, they are gone. That's why he created hell, by the way. It's for the devil and his angels. All right? 
He didn't create it for us. Now do realize that. Scripture says it is created for the devil and his angels. So any of us, they don't have a choice. They're going there. All right? But any of us that go there, we go because we said, you know what? I don't want what you did on the cross. I'll do it my way. I can be good enough. That's right out of the book. Okay? I've heard people say, well, would a loving God send people to hell? He's never sent anybody to hell. Not a person. Not one. Not one. When we stand before Him, there will be no excuses. Okay? There will just be... Somebody will have to take responsibility for their choices. If I've made bad choices and I haven't made a choice for Jesus, guess what? I've chosen. But if I've chosen to, 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 uh, to invest my life in relationship, then what's going to happen over time is I'm going to become more and more and more like Jesus. Until the point comes when I stand before Him, He's not going to see old messed up Nelson anymore. He's going to see the image of his son transposed there. It's not just going to be a a fog around me that looks like Jesus. It's going to be Jesus from out here to in here. That comes from relationships, folks. You know, like I said, obedience has a high cost because to walk obediently with God means to walk by faith. It means to walk by faith. Faith's nothing more than God will, than in believing that God will do exactly what He says He will do in every situation, even if I can't see it, if I can't imagine it, or I can't comprehend it. Just because I can't doesn't mean God can't. He can. And we struggle sometimes with faith because we really don't believe God. Too often we, we fail in our faith because we believe that our faith begins with us. I've, I've talked to people who said, man, I've got to work up just a little more faith. You don't work up faith. I don't know if you realize this, but faith is a gift God gives us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. What's a gift of God? Faith. What's a gift of God? Grace. Grace and faith are the gifts God gives each of us. And you know what? We have enough grace and we have enough faith available to do whatever God requires. Whether that, especially to walk in total obedience. And, and He's given us enough grace and faith to have an intimate relationship with with Him as well. That kind of faith, that kind of grace empowered the men and the women of old. I love Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, very often we only read half the passages that I'm going to read. But I want to read Hebrews 11. I'm going to start in verse 32 and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, verse 40. And and if you know Hebrews 11, it's, it's it's the heroes of the faith. 
I mean, you got Abraham, you got Isaac and Jacob, you got you got uh, you got Moses, you got all these guys, and then all of a sudden he comes to to to, to verse thirty two, and he says this. And what more shall I say? In other words, haven't I said enough already? Well, no, I haven't. Let me say some more. That's what he's saying. For time would will fail me, and so will paper. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon. Well, isn't Gideon the one that every time God told him to do something, he, he hung out a, a, a fleece before him? Isn't he the one? God said he's a man of faith. What about Barak? What about Samson? Now, Samson is the one guy in Scripture I just don't understand. The man is a pig. He is, he is almost totally controlled by his, his desires. He's over here today. I, I can't get enough to eat. Look, there's some honey and a, a, a dead lion that's been there for a while. You know bees don't build honeycombs in an hour or two. I'm going to eat right out of there. I'm going to, I want her. She's the one that makes me come alive. I want her. So he's just, he's just a, but God said he's a man of faith. He believed God. Then he talks about Jephthah. If you know anything about Jephthah, Jephthah makes a, a vow that the first thing that comes out of his house, he's going to offer to the Lord. Well, guess what comes out of his house bouncing right out the front door going, Daddy, 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 when he gets home from the battle? His daughter. The scripture says he honors it. You say, man, those are, not, those are not the same guys that are in the first part of the chapter. That's because we judge based on what was done and what was not done. God based it on their faith, what's in here. Jephthah and, and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And then in verse 36, it says, and others. It doesn't say, but others. It says, and others experienced mockings. See, the, some experienced great victories to the eye. But there were others that experienced great victories to God's eye. We didn't see them. See, this is where most of us fall or, or have the potential of falling. There's some of us in here that are going to do great acts of righteousness. We're going to see miraculous things happen. But most of us are probably going to fall in this latter part. We're going to fall in that area where nobody sees it but God. But here's reality. God sees it and He makes sure the Holy Spirit puts it in the book. So that all of us can see it. Listen to these guys. And others experienced mockings and scourging. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men, and I would say women, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the desert and the mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These are the ones nobody erected any statues to. There's no artwork to commemorate what they did. 
These are the unknowns, except they're not unknown by God. And he says these, and all these. The ones that, that did miraculous things and the ones that, that had to live in holes. And all these, having gained approval. How? By working hard? By doing miraculous things? No. Through their faith. And now listen to this next sentence. Did not receive what was promised. They, didn't, they never entered into the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. They saw it from a distance, but they could never get there. And he says this, because God had provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, they're going to be made perfect because of what we already have in Jesus. They're, they're going to experience that. And and, and, but it came by how? Grace, faith. None of them, none of them, David's not going to sit on a throne because David was a great king. David's going to sit on a throne because he knows Jesus Christ. Samson's not going to sit on a, a throne. He's not going to have a, uh, he's not going to be popular in heaven because of the, his great exploits with strength. No, it's because he exercised his faith. In that last few moments before he dies, he, he exercises faith in God. He's not dependent on his hair anymore. He just trusts God. The same thing is going to happen with us. Now listen, I can hear some of you right now. Right now at this moment, I can hear, but... But, but, why, why, why do so many of you at this moment want to add that little faith killing, that little grace smothering, that little three-letter conjunction, but? Here's the reality. We struggle with faith because we don't really believe that God loves us. Okay, if that one didn't get you, then this one will. And we don't really believe that God is as good as the Scripture says. That's why we don't trust God. Because He can't be as good as, as, as He claims. And He can't love me as much as He claims. Now we may say we do, but some, our actions, they don't, they don't live that out. And what happens is we're afraid to embrace His grace because nothing can be that good. You ever shared the gospel with somebody and, 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 and they would say, you know what, that's just too easy. God can't be that good. Listen, God is that good and more. But we don't trust Him. We don't, we don't place our faith in Him. We, 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 don't, we don't think He can be really that good. Nothing can be that good. Not, not even God. And you know what? We, he certainly can't be that good to me. Because I don't measure up. But one of these days I'm going to. One of these days I'll, I'll quit smoking. I'll quit cursing. I'll quit looking at things I don't need to look at. I'll quit saying things I don't need to say. I'll, 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 I'll walk my way to hell is what I'll do. That's the only place I can get myself in with nobody's help. We have to come to that place where I'll die. 
And the only thing that can help me is God. Listen, when we make that kind of judgment, when we say God can't be that good, i got to do something. When we make that kind of judgment, we make it based on our experience and our journey through this world. Not based on what this book says. Not based on who God is. And when we make that kind of judgment, it reveals that somehow we think we are qualified to sit on the throne that God is supposed to occupy. You say, well, how is that? Because we have judged ourselves. I got to do something. That's a judgment. What God's done is not enough. That's what religion tells us, folks. And listen, here's the reality of this. None of us are qualified to judge anybody. Not even ourselves. Only God is qualified to judge. He's the only one who can sit on the throne. He doesn't scooch over and let me sit by him. And he doesn't lean over to me and go, Nelson, what do you think? Well, God, here's what I think. That's not what happens. Because I don't know how to judge. Look, I can barely get up in the morning and get my clothes on and something to eat and make it through the day. All right? And if he didn't give me breath to breathe, I wouldn't even be able to get up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's just be realistic here. None of us are qualified to judge. But listen, God's grace flows in each of us so that we can walk in faith. He's given us grace. That's His unmerited favor. He gives us the ability to do what we cannot do. And then not only that, He gives us the ability to believe what we cannot believe. All I have to do is just, y'all take some of that. Accept it. I'll take that. And then when that happens, folks, i got to make choices. I've got to obey Him. And that's why it's so Vital for us to understand why do we do this? Why do we obey? Think about it. Don't answer it out loud. Why do we obey? Why should we obey? And, and don't, use the, don't use this answer because God says so. Okay? Why should we obey? Because we love Him. Okay? Sometimes we fear Him. And those are reasons. Those are reasons. Some of us, though, believe we obey Him because if if we obey Him, He will somehow love us more. I want you to relax for a minute, okay? Because God already loves you unconditionally. And He loves you with an infinite love. So that's not even a reason. It's, It's not even a reason to worry about. Now, somebody mentioned because we fear Him. and, and, And we do obey God. Sometimes because we fear Him or we feel like we have to. You ever felt like you had to? You know, you do something and, and, and you realize that was wrong. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you. And we go from conviction to condemnation. Except the Holy Spirit doesn't make that jump with us. Well, I've let God down. i got to fix this because God doesn't love me as much as He used to. Listen to me, folks. God's love doesn't do this. It's, it's not a roller coaster. It's, it just goes out of sight. I, I don't have a 
I don't have a movement for it, okay, except this. <laughs> it's way up here. But maybe you're here this morning and you love God because you fear Him. And, and you know what? That just barely registers on the love scale. Listen to what, what I'm saying. Because I have to is the most basic reason to obey. You know how I obeyed my father a lot of times? Because I truly <laughs> feared what would happen. Because I had to. And when I got to the place I didn't have to, guess what I did? I rebelled. See, that's the, that's the least reason to obey God. That's the minimum standard. It just demonstrates that I don't have any understanding uh, of, of how much He loves me. I don't, underst- I don't understand grace. Listen, if that's where you're at, maybe you need to have a, a, a change of attitude from I have to, and I get, instead of I have to, I get to. See, when we, when we stop thinking about I have to, and we start thinking about I get to. You know what? When I do this, God must jump up and down and clap His hands with glee. That's what I want Him to do all the time. I realized that when I, when I obeyed my dad, I was making him happy. Because he knew more about the stuff he was telling me not to do than I knew. He knew where it went. He had seen the results of, of where that kind of behavior can lead you and take you to. And he, he loved me enough he didn't want me to go there. He didn't want experience to be the teacher. God doesn't want us to experience. You don't have to experience everything. You don't have to find out how deadly sin is. You, you, you don't have to find out how immorality will destroy you, and not just you, it will destroy everything. You, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, experiment with stuff to figure out that God's right. God is right. And so the fact that you and I are able to obey God, should, it, it should be out of a response to the great love that He's given us. Listen, Obedience is nothing more than a love response. It's not a willpower response. It's not a have-to response. It's not because I'm made to response. It's a love response. And until we learn to respond to the love of God with a passionate desire to obey, we're never going to go any deeper with God. You don't know how your relationship feels like it's a million miles away because you don't understand what love is. You're doing things to please God, and God's already pleased. You're doing things to make yourself a a son or a daughter. And Listen, you probably are already a son or a daughter. If you know Jesus, you're not going to go any deeper. You're not going to hear His voice clearly. Because God is always speaking, okay? But here's what we're doing. Well, we got to do this, God. I got to go over here. I got to whirl over here. I got to get back over here. Uh, you know, when you're doing that, you can't hear somebody that's talking to you. All you can hear is, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And so that's what happens sometimes. Well, I'm glad we don't film that. <laughs> I'm out of breath. And that's what happens. Most of us are spiritually out of breath. 
were gasping to get a breath. To get a breath. So we all we can hear is ourselves. You're never going to experience satisfaction in your spirit and in your soul. Can I just tell you what religion will do? It will wear you out. It will suck the life out of you. And then when there's nothing left to, to give, it wants more. Give me more. Listen, obedience is not to gain favor. It just demonstrates our level of understanding of the love that God has for us. Now, you may not believe this is true, but it, it really is. God loves you even if you choose never to love Him back. Pretty harsh, but it's, it's true. Even if you choose not to love Him back, if you choose not to do what He says, He still loves you. But you know what? If we say we love Him, then, then Jesus says, you'll do what I say. You'll obey Him. And if we don't obey Him, then guess what? It's just talk. We don't really love Him. Genuine obedience will cost you everything. It'll cost you your pride. It'll cost you your reputation. It may cost you your job. It may cost you that promotion. It may cost you a raise. It may cost you, and it's not it may, it will cost you time. It may cost you your money, and it will cost you a great deal of effort. You may have to give up something that you really, really like. And you may have to step away from something or somebody that you enjoy being around. But you know what? You won't have time any longer for excuses or addictions or settling for less. Obedience is how we demonstrate the love that we talk about. It's how we, we possess what we claim we have. Jesus, I mean, he could have said it this way. You know what, guys? Talk is cheap. Show me you love me. Do what I say. Listen, if you like religion and it meets your needs, you're going to ignore what I have to say today. I can just tell you that. You'll chalk this sermon up as to one of the pastor's opinions and you know what? You'll continue to go through the motions. And some of you think the motions will give you what your heart's desire is. But those motions won't. Because I can tell you, religion will not give you anything but bondage and shackles and a prison cell. That's what it will give you. It will never satisfy the desire of your soul, and it will never satisfy the desire of your spirit. But if you want relationship, then just simply start loving God. Start loving Jesus through your actions. How many of you got one of these? How many of you got more than one of these? How many of you wanted to could read a different translation for at least a week? That's most of us, okay? Then if you really want to, to please God and obey Him, then start reading this and figure out what God likes. Most of us have been told about what God does not like. Right? We know all the don'ts. But do you know there are a huge percentage more of the do's 
There are there's all kinds of things in here that you're not ever going to find out unless you, you dig into it. And you see, because God reveals Himself through it. Find out what pleases God. What excites His heart. God gets excited. How do I know that? Because Jesus got excited. You say, well, listen, I don't know when Jesus got excited. Well, I'll tell you a place. When Cornelius... Uh, begin to, not Cornelius, but uh, the uh, that's another, that's Peter. When the uh, centurion came to Jesus, and Jesus said, "Yeah, I'll go with you." He says, "Lord, you don't have to go with me. Just speak the word." This is a pagan. This is not a Jewish guy. This is a, a grizzled centurion Roman soldier. He had been in war. He had earned his position from leading from the front, not sitting on a horse miles behind watching through uh, uh, binoculars. He had, he, in the blood and the guts is where he'd gotten his, his commission. And he says, you know what, Lord? You don't have to go. Just speak it, and it'll be done. And it says Jesus was amazed. He was amazed. It excited him. How do I know that? Because I've not found faith like this in all of Israel. Listen, we need to learn those things. There are things in this book that can revolutionize your relationship. It's a how-to manual. How to crawl inside my heart and be my little boy or be my little girl. That's, that's what this book is. And then once we've found them, you know what we need to do? We need to do them. We need to obey those commandments. Because when you truly love someone, you demonstrate that love through your actions. God has given us the grace and He's given us the faith that we need. So all we need to do is step out and walk in it. Listen. Tell God you love Him with your actions. And every once in a while you, you can whisper it to Him. But tell him with your actions. Listen, religion says do, do, do. We're going to talk about this more in the next few weeks, but relationship says be. God says, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. Some of us need to just take a deep breath and relax. But God needs me to do. No, God, need, God wants you to be. He just wants you to be. Just be. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.